Hello everyone and welcome back to The Real Life Girl or welcome if you are new. My name is Bianca and I am your host and this week we are having a juicy Christian girl chat. I am answering 10 questions that I've been asked over the last few weeks on Instagram and these are questions that one are really relevant in the Christian faith especially being a Christian woman walking with the Lord and number two I felt like someone needed to hear these answers. These are questions that I had and answers I didn't even know were even out there and this is me you know talking to my younger self wishing that I knew this information and so a lot of this is like really juicy some of it's really kind of lighthearted. but either way I still wanted to bring this to the podcast discussion table and talk about it this week Coming in at number one, we're starting off really strong, and this is probably the number one question I've gotten, and this is how to quit pornography. And I've unpacked this variously in different podcast episodes and a lot on my platform. Um, I'm pretty sure you can, you know, watch those episodes and stuff like that. But this is something that was so hard for me because it was hard for me to accept the truth. The truth of the matter is that sin often like, you know, lust and pornography live in darkness. And when it comes to overcoming them in the power of Jesus, a lot of people don't want to hear the fact that you need to tell people what you're struggling with in order to heal from that and to find freedom. Because I always wondered, how can I find freedom from lust? And the truth is, is that I had freedom the whole time. It was just about me claiming it. And the first step to me claiming it was to tell someone. And this can be anyone. This can be someone that you trust, someone that is a mentor, or someone that you look up to. But for me, I tried to keep this more in the spiritual aspect. So I, you know, told my mentor at the time. And I remember we were at lunch this one day and I just told her, listen, can I just be honest with you? So we started talking and I told her, you know, I have struggled with pornography for eight years since I was eight years old. And this is something that is weighing on my heart so heavily that I just can't seem to overcome. And I was honest with her. I, you know, opened up about my struggle and my battle with it. And immediately she prayed over me and spoke so much truth and wisdom into my life. And as we had that discussion, I felt the chains break off of me. And I've talked about how most of the time when the Lord is getting rid of our worldly desires and the things of the flesh, it doesn't often happen overnight. And that wasn't, you know, certainly the story with me, but the Lord really did convict me over time. And I remember each time time that I would give into my lustful desires, I would just feel trapped. And the last time I did that, I was just like, I don't even want to do this anymore. Like this is so exhausting. And I repented from that. And since then I have not struggled with pornography. And that's just so huge. That shows number one, God is so redeeming. He can redeem anything. He can redeem the wounds that you can't talk about, the things that are just so emotional that you can't even seem to make peace with them. And this was one of those aspects. So the first step is to tell someone. The second step is to gain a sense of accountability. And in my case, my sense of accountability was my mentor. I did trust her. She knew my situation. She knew it was up. And every now and then she would call me. She would check in on me and tell me, hey, how are you doing with this thing? And because I knew that she loved me, I knew that she would hold me accountable. And that even made me want to do this less and less and less until I eventually stopped. The biggest thing I did in this season was to fill my mind with truth. And that was, you know, going to therapy sessions at the time. And that helped so, so much. I'm currently not in therapy anymore. Um, And I do believe that sometimes it can be a temporary or long-term season. But for me, I just needed to just air out my feelings in therapy and talk about that. And that felt so freeing because I knew my therapist wouldn't, you know, tell anyone. I knew that she wouldn't judge me. You know, I really, really trusted her. And so I knew that she was just going to let me talk freely and not really interrupt me or invalidate my feelings. So that was the first thing. And the second thing was reading my Bible and just seeing what God had to say about this situation. And in God's word, he tells us to flee from lust and to run from sin straight to the feet of Jesus. And so anytime that I felt really pressured, I felt, um, you know, 
I really wanted to give into my desires, I just went to Jesus and I was honest. And I said, Lord, listen, I'm feeling really tempted right now, but I know that you are faithful. I know that you are just to not tempt me beyond what I can handle. And so I would just immediately pray over myself and read my Bible. And again, that lessened my need and my drive to do it more and more. And I think that it's realistic to acknowledge that you do have a sex drive. Even if this is not something that you struggle with, it's the truth. That's how we were made. We were made to be sexual humans and have sexual desires. Um, But it's important to know how to steward that and how to handle that. And I think that in this aspect, telling someone, gaining accountability, and just filling my mind with truth and guidance was the best thing that I ever did. And little by little, I mean, those chains just fell right off of me. So I could talk about this for hours, but in short, just telling someone, gaining accountability, and filling my mind with truth was the best thing I did for myself. Question number two, this is something that fires me up because I can talk about it and it's just so juicy. What do I do if I have feelings toward a guy who does not love Jesus? Okay, so the last time that I was in this season, and I mean the last time because it'll never happen again, and I'm saying that, (laughs) um, I was in my sophomore year of high school and at the time I was 16, I'm 18 now. Um, I was 16 and I really liked this guy in my math class and in my mind I was very spiritually naive meaning I wasn't aware of how hard the enemy was attacking me because I was so intertwined with the world and so focused on doing my own thing. So that aside I really liked this guy and immediately in my spirit you know I recognized that I had an attraction toward him and the first thing I did was okay is he a Christian yes or no this is a very black and white answer a lot of people try to overcomplicate this and say well you know if he treats you right you know and he reads his bible every now and then that's fine that is not fine it's a very simple yes or no answer and the way that you are able to tell that is by the fruit that they bear meaning are they patient are they kind are they you know gentle do they fear the lord do they live for the lord these are things that you can see like so clearly it's like looking at an apple and saying that's an orange obviously not again very black and white so I was looking at this guy obviously was not a man of God let's just say that um the life that he lived I mean I'm not ever gonna you know put anyone down in the dirt it just didn't reflect Jesus though me being honest. And so I acknowledge that, but I let my feelings overpower what was logical and what was in my head. And so I acknowledged that this is not, you know, the guy that the Lord wants for me, but I want him for me. So I'm just going to go after him. Um, And we never ended up dating, but I did have the biggest heartbreak over it because I just didn't know how to handle it. I didn't know how to handle my feelings and even how to get over him. And what made it worse was that we were really good friends. We were, you know, kind of close or whatever. We would talk all the time. So that even, you know, overcomplicated things to another degree. And so what do you do if you like a guy or even love a guy who does not love Jesus? Jesus. Number one, acknowledge your attraction. Acknowledge and be honest. Hey, I really like this guy. I think he's cute. I think he's this. He, you know, lifts me off my feet. And, you know, you just have to be honest with yourself when it comes to things like that. And number two, realize the truth. I've been in this situation like, mm, I can't even count it on one hand. I've been through this situation so many times and that's simply because I didn't guard my heart and I had to realize the truth of the matter and that is number one, if it breaks God's heart, why would it fulfill mine? Because the Lord tells us not to be unequally yoked in his word. I don't have that verse on me, but the Lord tells us to not be unequally yoked, meaning you can't hold the faith and someone else not. It just doesn't work. And sure, I've heard of so many people, married couples say, you know, yeah, when we were married, I was a Christian and he wasn't or vice versa. And what I have to say to that is that it works for some people, you know, some people do have a beautiful marriage and one of them knows Jesus and one of them doesn't they get married and it works and now they you know have a beautiful Christ-loving family but just because it works does not mean that it's a principle that we should follow meaning if you have an aunt or an uncle that that was their story that's cool and all but just because that's their story does not mean that is not that is going to be your story 
you have to acknowledge the truth. And the truth is, is that you are not meant to be a fixer upper. You are not meant to be taking in these broken men and repairing them. That is not your job. That is God's job. And if anything, if you're trying to do that, I would say that you're trying to be God because that is not your job. Number two, there are so many things that the Lord desires for you. And that is not one of them. If God tells you in his word that he doesn't desire for us to be unequally yoked, why do you think that that's going to make you feel better? And number three, you have to think about what's above this because what happens when you guys start dating what happens when it comes to really temptation and and you know difficult moments where you have your morals and beliefs because of your faith and he doesn't because he doesn't see that as important what happens when you raise your kids and you and your kids go to church and he stays at home You have to think about these aspects and these situations, and this is me giving you tough love, and eventually you just come to realize it's not going to work out. And I'm at the point where I don't care how cute a guy is. I don't care how stunning he is, how handsome he is. If he does not love the Lord, he cannot have access to my heart. And I will not let any person walk into my life, you know, in that aspect, in the romantical aspect that does not love Jesus. And that's something that you have to make a peace with. You have to guard your heart and also put your spiritual eyes on. Meaning if he does not bear fruit, he is not worth your time because I promise you there's so many godly men out there that's something I still struggle with as a single girl is like okay I don't feel like there's any good men out there left and that's not the truth godly men are still out there being made but you have to trust the Lord enough to not make it happen on your own timing and to make it happen on his timing so what happens when you're too roped in with your feelings, with, you know, the things that you feel toward this person, distance yourself. Even if you guys are best friends, I know that that's hard to hear. I know that that can mean ending a friendship. I know that that can mean telling someone, hey, we can't talk anymore because of my beliefs, because I have this attraction for you. I know that that means those things, but that is honestly what's going to be best for your heart. And number two is to tell a mentor. I remember one of my friends, um, she was also going through this at the moment. And when she opened up, to me it was like a freedom was granted toward her and those are not my words those are hers and I feel I just feel like had she not told me number one we wouldn't have been as close because we wouldn't have been able to relate to that being that we've gone through the same thing but number two I just don't feel like you know, a lot of the time that you're able to walk away from those situations without having that accountability. And so I had my friends hold me accountable, you know, every time that they, (laughs) every time that they would catch me looking at him or catch me talking about him and, you know, being like, oh, he's just so, they'd be like, snap out of it like ew and would put me back in check and those are the kinds of friends that you need surrounding you in this time it definitely does not happen overnight but realize that feelings like this are temporary and that the lord is faithful and just to order your steps and direct your paths if you're willing to let him Number three is more on the milder side, but I think it does unpack the bigger question and topic of modesty, and that is, can I wear crop tops and wear makeup as a Christian girl? So this is something that is a lot deeper now, and this is part of the reason why I barely talk about modesty just because I've realized that it is a harder conversation to have now more than ever because I believe that modesty is 100% a heart posture and a lot less about the clothes that you wear and so when it comes to crop tops and makeup you know I wear crop tops when I work out I wear sports bras I wear leggings um I pretty much just wear whatever it is that I'm comfortable with and as you know it comes to wearing makeup if you've seen me you know I wear makeup the way that I also look at makeup is that makeup is meant to enhance your beauty and I've had so many people tell me that I would look so pretty without makeup or you know pounds of foundation on I've actually had that said to me (laughs) it does not feel good anyway and it just didn't feel like good in the moment and this is where I want to talk about legalism because so many Christians have conformed to this idea of legalism which is the belief that you do these things you do these works to essentially grant your way into heaven and stay out of hell and I'm so against that because number one the Lord does not call us to live in fear whether that is you being paranoid or anxious about the clothes that you're wearing or the makeup that you're 
you're wearing or how you're doing your hair, things like that. God does not want us to fear that. God calls us to live and to live in freedom and not in fear. So I think that when we subscribe to this idea of let's not wear makeup, let's, you know, not cut our hair, let's do this, but, you know, it's like, it's so legalistic. That is legalism. And I just don't subscribe to that idea at all. I'm very open to the idea of, you know, makeup, of hair, of hair extensions, changing your hair color, Botox, lip fillers. Like I, I've made the decision. I don't want to leave this life without at least getting fillers on my lips at least once. That's like a pack that my sister and I have. We're like, we're not going to die without getting at least a tube or like what is it like a half of a syringe I don't know but we want lip fillers and that's something that I am like really open to and I just don't subscribe to the idea of like you just can't do anything with your appearance especially as a Christian woman because you know I like things all aesthetically pleasing you guys know this about me but it's like I just also I love doing my hair I love doing my makeup I love doing these things and these are things that I do for myself I do want to say that everyone has their own convictions especially when it comes to the beauty industry, the things that you should and shouldn't wear. I think that that is totally different. If you personally feel convicted against wearing sports bras and leggings for workouts or wearing a crop top every now and then or wearing makeup, follow your convictions because the Holy Spirit gives us all different convictions for different reasons according to our life's calling and purpose. So if you feel a certain conviction against certain things, I think that that's totally okay. Follow your convictions if you feel like that the Lord is putting that on your heart for a reason but to completely swear off crop tops and makeup as a whole just because you're a Christian I think is very close to conforming to the idea of legalism and letting fear run your life which is not the life that the Lord calls us to live Number four, can I drink alcohol and go to parties as a Christian? So mm, I have a bit of a personal story with this. Um, a couple weeks ago, I went to Mexico for my 18th birthday and it was so, so fun. I went with my godparents, my parents, and my sister. And it was just amazing. And the reason I went to Mexico for my 18th birthday is because the drinking age in Mexico is 18. And that wasn't the sole purpose of the trip. I love Mexico. I've always loved vacationing in Mexico since I was a kid. And we really found a nice resort that we wanted to try. So I figured, okay, this is just a plus that their age of drinking is 18. So before this trip, I checked my heart. I'm like, you know what? Do I have any convictions about alcohol? What does the word say about alcohol? There are several stories in the Bible where alcohol is involved. Hello, Jesus turned water into wine. So I knew that the Bible did not prohibit drinking as a whole, but I'm also aware of what the Bible does say, and the Bible does call us to be sober-minded. I think it's somewhere in Galatians, but the Bible does call us to be sober-minded and to not lose self-control to alcohol and to lust and to sin in general. So I went into Mexico. I'm like, you know what? I might try a drink that I like. I might find some drinks that I like and I'm just going to keep an open mind. And it was almost like an experiment of like, let me see how fast the Lord convicts me. So I got to Mexico. Um, what are the drinks that I had? I had a strawberry daiquiri, which was really good. It was on the sweeter side. Um, and I did do a tequila shot and I thought, okay, you know, this is, you know, whatever. And slowly and slowly, it was like I couldn't see the world around me, but I could only see the sin around me. It was like I could see the lust that was in people's hearts, you know, around this vacation. Because again, this is Mexico. This is an all adults resort. Things happen. And it was like I could see the evilness that was around it. And, you know, this is just my conviction personally. I'm not going to swear this off as a whole because, again, scripture does not prohibit it. But the Holy Spirit, who has given me eyes to see, made sure that I saw that alcohol does come with a price. And that price is losing self-control so easily in the blink of an eye. And as of now, of my, you know, convictions and the things that I believe and don't believe, I personally don't believe that alcohol is going to bring me closer to God in general or the purpose that he has for me. Now, I know Christians who do drink. And if that's you, that is totally fine. As long as you're doing it in moderation and that 
that you're having self-control over it but let's not be a slave to things of this world yes alcohol is i believe a gift but again in moderation let's be sober-minded and again not lose self-control and as far as going to parties and let's even widen this let's say clubs I would say be careful. I would definitely say not to go to parties all the time uh, just because I think that it depends, you know, it depends on the parties that you're going to. If you're going to a Christian party, that's like, that's a given. We're not even talking about that. We're talking about parties with like, say, you know, some family or whatever, and you know, there might be some alcohol, you know that there might be some secular music. Not that those things are bad, but again, in moderation, I would definitely say to not go to them all the time maybe like every now and then um and i would say be careful not to mix light with darkness meaning if you know that there are some people out here who are going to try to peer pressure you they're going to try to say you know chug 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 or do certain things try to stay away from that and also have the power to say no have the willpower and the discipline to say no as well so overall can christians drink alcohol and go to parties or clubs I would say yes, but I would also say be careful, be very careful. Don't give up your self-control and be aware of what scripture says because it's so easy now more than ever to be led into the darkness and what the world wants you to do and the enemy's traps and deceptions. And that's also why it's so important to have the Lord's word engraved in your heart and to know what he wants from you and your life. Number five is something I have a lot of experience with, and that is I am in a toxic friendship as a Christian. What do I do? I have so many stories of toxic friendships that I went through, specifically in middle school and high school, and it was very hard for me to navigate these because I think there was a certain point when I was following Jesus in the beginning of my faith walk that I really wanted to follow Jesus, but I didn't feel like the people around me encouraged that. And I was in toxic friendships that, you know, I would call constantly get into drama not because of my own doing but because you know I wanted to defend my friends or my friends would just say you know random stuff and it would just get me in trouble so when it comes to toxic friendships I think number one realize that it is a toxic friendship that's the first thing that you can do in anything is awareness you have to realize it for what it is and I mean realize it you know, you can't spend all this time being like, you know, I'm in a toxic friendship, but you know, she's my best friend. She's been there since I was, you you know, young. We've been friends since we were babies. I think that you have to face the truth. And the truth of the matter is that you feel that that person is toxic. And not only do you feel that, but I mean, I'm pretty sure people maybe have pointed it out to you. Maybe the Holy Spirit has pointed it out to you. And so I think you have to be upfront about that and just acknowledge that this person is who they are. And number two, you have to understand that sometimes you have to abandon the friendships that you've had for a while in order to truly step into the person God has called you to be. And this was really, really hard for me. Um, back in my freshman year of high school specifically, I had two of my bestest friends in the whole world. Um, these were then friends and I loved them. These were like the little sisters I had never had and we did everything together and we were in each other's lives for like three or four years and I never imagined a life without them and drama happened um there was stuff that you know just happened I was having rumors spread about me and my friends folded and these were the same friends who swore that you know they were sisters of mine stuff like that who also asked me to cut off contact because they didn't want to be associated with me like the audacity and that's how I knew that these friendships were really toxic and so again you know I'd never imagined a life without them but I had to move on number one I had to realize who they were I had to realize that when people show you who they are believe them the first time don't let these toxic friends tell you who they are 54 times 55 times 56 times 57 times and so on and so forth believe people when they show you your true color show you their true colors the first time uh number two is I realized that I had to move on and get out of the friendship so that was just me, you know, telling my friends, hey, um, I've just realized that this just doesn't really work out anymore. I think that we've outgrown each other. I think that life is taking me into different directions. I love you guys. I will always love you guys. But this is just something that I have to do for myself. 
Um, and if I was concerned about my safety, I would be very quick to get, you know, an adult involved or any person that I really trusted, a trusted friend, a trusted mentor, anything like that until I knew that my safety was, you know, completely unthreatened. Um, and then I just began to move on. I moved on. I did things that, you know, kind of distracted me like hobbies. I focused, um, you know, on school, on work and stuff like that. And also time helps as well. And I mean, I can't even begin to talk about how much of an anchor prayer was for me at this time because I felt like such a failure that my friendships didn't work out. I mean, these girls were like so they were just such a big part of my life at one point and I didn't know how to do life without them and I was convinced I would never ever make good as friends as them ever in my life and now the friends that I have I know that I know that I know that these girls are praying for me that they are interceding on my behalf I know that if I call them they will answer and that's just what I feel is what God wanted for me all this time the Lord didn't want friends that didn't respect my faith the Lord didn't want friends that led me into peer pressure, that led me into lust, that led me into my worldly desires and to, you know, be with like random guys. The Lord does not want that for me. Instead, the Lord wanted kingdom driven women who were going to lead me right back to him time after time. And this is where I say your circle matters. I wrote that in my Bible about two times today because I'm in the book of Proverbs right now and there's so much wisdom. If you know, you know, and there's just so many verses about, you know, the people you surround yourself with you will eventually become them so if you're not surrounding yourself with people who are kingdom driven who want to live for the lord you're going to become the exact opposite of them and that's a really ugly place to be and so overall number one acknowledge who these people are acknowledge that they've showed you their true colors number two um just have awareness and be upfront about that number three end the friendship and if you're concerned about your safety get adults involved get people involved and number Number five, four, I don't even know. But the next thing to do is to move on and to genuinely pray your way out of that season. I think that this can be really beautiful. This can be something that the Lord can use for good. And if you just take your hands off the wheel and let Jesus drive, I think that he can really show you what he is capable of in any season. Number six is something that hits really home to me because it's still something that I'm waiting on. And that is what to do when you have unsaved family members. This is something that used to give me a lot of anxiety. It was something that used to scare me a lot, especially when I first became a Christian. Um, I was really scared of going to hell. Like I was so scared of like, you know, am I living for the Lord? Am I doing everything perfectly? And number one, again, the Lord does not call us to live in fear. And I can confidently tell you that if you are living for the Lord, if you have changed your life for him, you have nothing to worry about. You are good. But then I thought about what about my family? What about the family that I have that still is in their ways, that still is trying to fill their hearts with everything of this world and they don't know Jesus yet? Number one, I would talk to the sister who's asking that question and say, to pray for them any chance that you get to pray for them and to never lose hope i've even added that quote as a wallpaper just for this matter because sometimes it's so hard for me to believe that one day the lord will reveal himself to the people who do not yet know him his word says that there are still people on a daily getting saved and on a daily giving their lives to jesus truly and so there's no reason for me not to believe this and also our king is so much bigger than anything we can ever face in this world and if God's done it for me, if he saved me and listen, I was a stubborn girl. I thought I knew Jesus and I didn't. And if he saved me from that shipwreck of a life, he can save anyone. So that's the first thing is that I realize I just have to keep praying and praying and praying and never losing hope. And number two is just living a life for the Lord, because I've had my 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 friends and my family, you know, come up to me and say, wow, I really see Jesus in you. And I think that that's the best compliment that any Christian can receive. It's just so heartwarming to see, you know, okay, I am doing a good job. There are people who do see God in me and that's really huge. And, you know, to be able to exemplify the love of Christ for my family and my own life by just following God is so beautiful. And I can fully say my family does look at me differently in such a good way. And again, family members that have been so stubborn and set in their ways have, you know, 
understood that about me. They've understood that I'm bold about my faith and I've received a lot of compliments about it and I'm very happy. But ultimately, this life is not about us. It's about him. And so when we take the focus off of ourselves, off of, you know, I really want God to act in this person. I really want God to do this. I've been praying for this person for over five years. I know how that feels. And I just need to tell you to pray and never to lose hope because you never know when the next season will open. You never know when God will open the next chapter. I would also say to not be afraid to step out in faith, meaning if you're on your way to church and say this family member is like, you know, texting you or they're on social media or they live with you and, you know, they're not really doing anything, invite them to church, like make it an opportunity to just share the word with them. That's something that I've been asking the Lord is like, give me opportunities to share your word and to make your word known and to make you known. Um, But I think definitely making it a habit to invite people to church. One other cute thing that I've done to spread the word is to take like someone's favorite candy say like you know starburst or peg or hershey's i would take their favorite candy bar and write on a sticky note like a bible verse or something and i would just stick it on there and give it to them number one it's thoughtful number two you took the time to remember something that they really like and number three you wrote a cute verse on it you wrote something that the lord put on your tongue to give to them and it's just really thoughtful and it's so easy too it's much easier and i just love that so much that's definitely something I want to do more often but I think just finding cutesy little creative ways to share God's word with them inviting them to church just making them you know aware that they matter to you in life I think is breathtaking because it speaks volumes it speaks the holy spirit it speaks who god is because that's exactly who god is when jesus walked this earth like he found so many ways to relate to people that were broken to relate to people that felt like you know they were past uh the grace point of god that felt like there was no more grace felt like there was no more forgiveness to forgive anything that they had done and they were so wrong because god is so sovereign so sister continue to pray never lose hope find ways to share the gospel with them creatively and invite them to church make them feel like they are valued in this life because they are not only by you but also the god of this earth i really need some water it's that time of the podcast and also it's like we're, we kind of have a cold front in florida right now and i love it but the weather is really hot today so gotta get my knockoff stanley and i gotta get some water <laughs> where is this water awesome we found it Oh, that's amazing. I would quite literally die without water. Back to our regularly scheduled program. Let's move on to question number seven. And that is, I struggle with lust. How can I break free from this? So again, I think this goes back to how do I break free from pornography and lust as a whole? But number one is to be honest with yourself. I think that when you're honest with yourself about anything in life, you become aware of your own feelings and how that affects you. Number two, I would say to pray over yourself constantly. While I don't think that, you know, lust is, I guess, on the same, it's hands down, like every sin is on the same level. But I do think that lust can be a little bit less extreme, but it still is a big deal you know, compared to porn. Um, But I do think that you still have to take accountability. You can't just let this sweep under the rug and act like it's not a big deal because it is. Um, You know, again, we have to be sober-minded. So I would say to pray over yourself constantly. There's a prayer that I pray every single day and it's, Lord, please uproot any evil in my life and convict me of my sin and show me my sin. And when you pray a dangerous prayer like that, the Lord shows you your sin. And in this case, the Lord showed me how I love which to me I didn't think was a big deal I thought you know it's just something that I just do to pass the time and that's not the truth that is not something that we are called to live in and if anything we're called to find freedom from it and so when the Lord showed me this in my life I realized man this is a lot of a bigger deal than I'm making it and so it was important for me to be honest with him and to one repent from that and to two always pray over myself with that and I think that when you catch yourself lusting to a immediately pray over yourself and give yourself scripture. I think that that's so useful because you're allowing wisdom to come into your life. And lately I've been reading Proverbs and that's pretty much what the entire book is about is making room for wisdom in your life and always seeking out wisdom. And I think that that's a big thing, especially when it comes to defeating lust. And number four, I'd say to also find accountability with a mentor. Find a mentor where you can work through discussions, where you can work through workbooks, um, where you can just genuinely have discussions about, say, 
you know, a typical harder night that you had because you were faced with all these lustful thoughts and dreams and desires. I think that that can be really freeing to get that out there and to hold yourself accountable as well. I also want to pivot my attention on the part where this person asked, how can I break free from this? Because this is a huge thing in itself. I mentioned earlier how I didn't know that I always had freedom from pornography and that I just had to claim it. And that's something that goes over a lot of people's heads, including my own at times, because the Lord gives us freedom the minute we accept him into our life. Freedom over anything, over an alcohol addiction, a drug addiction, a porn addiction, anything that we may be facing in this life that is particularly hard for us to wrestle and to overcome, the Lord has given us freedom over it. But having freedom and claiming it are so different. They're not alike at all. And what I mean by that is that you have to claim it. You have to say, okay, you know what? I am free from this. And part of that is repenting from that sin. Repenting means to not do that thing again. And again, when it comes to repetitive sin, stuff like that, it's hard to say that. But genuinely, you have to have the willpower and the discipline to actually make change in your life. And making change in your life is repenting from that. So I would say to repent from lust as well. To repent from, you know, having lustful desires. To looking at someone with lust. We are sexual creatures that do have sex drives and we do have sexual desires. But it's important that we know how to steward that and how to control that all by God's glory. One other thing that I did when the Lord revealed that to me was journaling all the time. I would just journal about my feelings in that moment, what I felt, and I would be honest with God and say, you know, I'm feeling really tempted. I feel like I just have the desires that I can't fulfill. And it's just hard for me, you know, and the Lord really came into my heart and just allowed me to pour everything out. So writing about them, praying about them, finding accountability with a mentor and being honest with God in my prayers was so, so helpful. And I'm not going to sit here and act like I've overcome lust a thousand percent because that's not the truth. I'm broken and I'm a piece of crap human. By God's grace, I'm able to, you know, say that I'm free. But just because you struggle with something does not mean that you are are not free and so I think that that just freed someone right there um it's definitely something that again is not an overnight process but it just reminds me all the more why I need Jesus because I can't do this life on my own and I can't fight this battle on my own and that's so beautiful number eight Ooh, okay I love this one it says how can I meet more godly men so hmm this is something that I'm still kind of like navigating my way through because a girl really wants to meet someone but I didn't know where to start and I thought you know what let's sign up for a dating app let's sign up for this website or let's just go to different places I know guys will be at. But I wanted to be really strategic and intentional with this. I didn't want to meet just any guy. I wanted to meet a godly man, possibly a godly man that I could maybe build a future with or just date for a period of time to see if that's the person that God wants me to be with. So I think number one, look in your home. And I don't mean your physical home, I mean your church home. Look at your church home and join some groups, go to events, you know, just be outgoing. And I mean, even if you don't see someone there, I mean, I'm pretty sure you can meet a lady who has a nice, good looking son, you know, like you just have to be more outgoing. And this is something that I'm still working on because I get like just nervous sometimes when it comes to making new friends and meeting new people. But I've been trying to join more groups. Um, my church thankfully has like a young adult group, a women's group, a student's group. Um, and we also have events pretty much every single week. So it's really so easy to get involved. And if you don't feel like maybe your church has a lot of things going on at, you know, one time, maybe try going to an organization, try going to a Christian organization, or maybe join a new Bible study, join a Christian book club. They're so many things that you can join because the world is at our fingertips and it's just a matter of using that to your advantage and seeing who you can meet there. I would also say maybe just try going to random places because I do believe our God works in mysterious ways and if someone is meant to be on your path then I think that the Lord will make that happen. So just also go about your day. You know, if you want to go to Starbucks and you just go, maybe the Lord will, you know, wind up putting someone there. And I'm also not against dating apps either. I don't know if I've talked 
talked about this, but I have seriously thought about it. And in this season, I don't feel like the Lord is calling me to go on dating apps, but truly never say never. That's one thing I've learned in this lifetime is the things you say you will never do, you will honestly do. And I think dating apps might be a route that I'll take one of these days. But I mean, there are Christian dating apps. There are so many things out there, even Bumble, even Hinge. I think that there are like certain filters that you can, you know, do or even just search for certain people, um, you know, of like certain faiths or things like that. So there are truly so many opportunities, but you just have to be willing to be outgoing. And that's something a girl is still struggling with. But I think we're in this together. This is something that it's, again, not an overnight process, but with time, we can definitely achieve by God's grace. Question number nine is how to get through heartbreak. And this is something I have a lot of experience with as I am a hopeless romantic. I'm kidding, but it's partly true because I have walked through different seasons of heartbreaks over time. Um, I've been single my whole life, but I have been really close to getting into relationships. But because God is protecting me and because I'm a child of the Most High King, there have just been situations that have not worked out and I'm thankful for those situations. I'm not even saying that sarcastically. I'm thankful because I remember like so many ungodly men that I wanted to be with or guys that just weren't it in general. And I look back, I'm like, Bianca, literally why? Why would you put yourself in that circumstance? Because I would have been, my life would have been a dumpster fire, let's just say. So I just went through so many seasons of heartbreak when things wouldn't turn out my way. And the first thing I would say is to let it all out. Like give yourself a period of like 48 hours where you just cry, cry, cry. And you cry about him. You eat a tub of ice cream. Um, you listen to breakup songs. You listen to Olivia Rodrigo, Taylor Swift. You know the vibe. And you just do that. And you journal and you write and you just let things out. You let your emotions breathe. I think that when you bottle things up, they will come out at times that are very inconvenient for you and things that should not trigger you will trigger you. And also the Lord gives us hearts for a reason because the human heart was not meant to take heartbreak on its own. The human heart is not meant to bottle up emotions on its own. So it's very important that you get your emotions out. The next thing you absolutely have to do, and this is a non-negotiable, is to unfollow or block. This is something that I believe so, so much on the social media world and even off of social media, like on phone numbers or whatever it is. I either unfollow them or I block them. And that's simply because I don't need to know what you're doing all the time. I don't need to be looking at your stories. I don't need to be checking if you have a new person in your life or who your friends are. I just need to move on with my own life and we go our own separate ways. And that's something that I've always adapted by. That's something that I swear by. And again, it works for some people. Some people can move on and they still follow, you know, their ex or whatever it is. I just don't think that it's the most wise thing to do because why you're no longer associated with them you don't need to be friends with them you don't need to be hanging out with them or calling them or texting and adding them and doing all these things because that's unnecessary if anything that'll hinder your healing process so i strongly encourage you to unfollow them to block them and i know what that means i know that that means possibly ending the friendship i know that that means explaining to them why you have to do what you have to do and that is totally okay i know it can be hard but your healing is more important than your feeling and your feelings in this moment are clouded because there's just so many things going on. So I totally believe in unfollowing and blocking, restricting whatever it is so that we can both move on. Even if you're the only hurt person, say they're like not hurt and like whatever, it's just like a one-sided thing, still block them because you don't need that in your life. You don't need to see what they're doing. You don't need to stalk them. You can just fully move on and not have to worry about any of those things. Number three is to get into a routine. Um, if you're not in a routine that consists of healthy eating and working out and doing things that you love to do besides work and school or whatever you have going on, I think that that can be really beneficial. Um, and in this case, the last heartbreak I went through, which was almost two years ago, I was not doing any of those things. And I really didn't have time for the things that I loved because I was like crying over this boy who didn't even own a Bible. So let's be real. And I just like didn't, you know, have time for any of 
those things. And so I picked up one of my favorite hobbies, which is creative writing. I've always loved writing ever since I was a kid. I like writing poetry or just following like certain writing prompts. And I can honestly handwrite, I can type, I can do anything for hours. And so that was something that I discovered. And I even used my hobby for my own advantage. I used my hobby to write out my feelings, to journal, whatever it is that I was feeling and to just, you know, speak my mind and to also, you know, let the Lord into that and let him heal my heart. I don't know what I would have done without writing also. Like I just love writing because I get to just get everything out and it's something that I find such a joy in. But let's say your passion, your hobby is uh, ceramics or gardening or pottery, whatever it is, find a hobby or learn something new and just try to pick it up. I think that that can be really beneficial because your mind is not so focused on Hmm, I have them blocked, but what they get, what could they be doing? Oh, they have that thing. They're going on that trip that we planned and blah, 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 blah. You don't have to be worrying about those things. So I think a hobby can really avert your mind to something that is positive and good for you in that season. The next thing I want you to do is to pray your way through that season. And this is something that I can say toward all of these scenarios that we've explored, but especially this one, because I didn't think that I would ever come back. I always thought that I would be stuck in that season. I always thought that that was the end. That was just what, you know, my life was supposed to be. Just this heartbreak and that's it. And that was not the truth. And if anything, that was such a big lie from the enemy. And so I prayed my way through this season and I asked the Lord, you know what? I'm hurting, but I need you to come in and I need you to heal my heart. And he was faithful and just to do so. So much so that when the next person comes into my life that I want to date and forge a relationship with, I will open up my heart fully and confidently, not fearing that it might not work out, not fearing that I may get hurt. Because guess what? Love is a risk, but love is also a choice. And I think that that's beautiful. So just praying my way through this season and, you know, just giving it time as well. Realizing that you're not going to get over this person in a day, in two days, maybe in a month. It took me maybe about six or seven months to truly, truly, truly get over this person and, you know, to just get over what we had because again I really thought I was gonna like end up with this guy and I didn't and that's okay it's okay for things not to work out it's okay for things to fizzle out and to just not you know kind of work out the way that you expected it to but I think when you're letting the Lord in you're letting him lead you you're letting him heal you and restore you and mend your heart you know because your heart is not far gone your heart is fully redeemable and fully able to be healed by God one truth that I can say to a sister who is in this season is that this is not the end. I know it feels like it. I know it feels like you will never get to love anyone again, that you'll never be in a relationship again, or you really wanted to be in a relationship with this person and for some reason it didn't work out. View this as God's protection. View this season as God teaching you something and allow him to lead you through that. Um, and the lie that this is the end, trust me, sometimes in order to close big chapters, something has to end it and this can just be that one thing that's ending that big chapter and you know another one is opening up so truly don't doubt what god can do in an ugly season because i promise you this is not forever this is temporary you will heal and you will love again number 10 this is the last question we are answering in this juicy christian girl chat and that is how can i live a healthier lifestyle this is something i wasn't able to do on my own that i had to ask god to come in and just tell me what to do because i knew you know working out is healthy or whatever eating healthy is important but how do i do those things how do i eat healthy how do i eat healthy on a budget how do i work out when i don't have time when i have a busy schedule blah 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 and so I asked God to come into this and this is where I'm at so far. So every morning I go on a walk for about 30 minutes and to be fair, I do wake up early. Some people can do workouts later in the day, but for me, I just get so tired. It's just so hard for me to do workouts after work and after school and after everything else. So I just get my workouts done in the morning and my workouts typically last about 25 to 40 minutes and that's just enough for me to get my heart pumping and stuff like that. Um, and that's something that the Lord can 
convicted me of is to steward my temple and to take care of it. And part of that is finding a workout routine that works for you. And this is where I want to say that your workouts don't have to be boring. If you don't like doing cardio, try doing dance cardio. If you don't like doing strength training, try to do something that involves heavy lifting or, you know, things that don't feel as boring as a normal workout. I definitely think that even then you won't always want to work out, but I think that's where the discipline comes in. That's where it comes in that, hey, if I want to continue to take care of my body, I have to do these things. Right now, I'm currently trying like a new post-workout protein shake smoothie, and it's been really good. And that's another big thing that, you know, eating healthy has taught me. I used to hate dieting. I thought that dieting was just salads 24-7, tomatoes and fruits and veggies and nothing else that I wanted to do. And as I got older, I learned to look at a diet not as a diet. I just focused on bringing more fish, more meat, more chicken, more vegetables, more fruits, Uh, more legumes, more protein into my diet and just allowing that to direct my life. And I feel so much better. Right now, I don't do any dairy. Um, The only dairy I do do is what maybe like greek yogurt but that's probably it and even then most greek yogurts don't really have dairy in them anyway um but just healthy dieting and stuff like that and i know it won't always feel good to eat healthy and so that's why i recommend having a cheat meal every now and then i want to say maybe once or twice a week is a good duration to start with and maybe as time goes on you can lessen that time um according to your needs but truly you know working out healthy eating also journaling has been a huge 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 thing in every season of my life not just when life is sucky but also when life is going good because I think that that is really helpful to journal it even if you don't like writing just try writing a couple sentences a day and I love being able to go back to my old journals and read my prayers, read where I was praying to get a car, read where I was praying to get into a good school, read where I was praying to heal from a heartbreak. And I can see God's faithfulness through each story, through each page. And I can see the progress, the spiritual progress that I made through each and every season. And I wouldn't have even remembered that had I not journaled and had I not kept like a written record and a document, you know, just something that that I was able to physically look back and see. This is going to sound really fake of me, but get more sleep. And the reason why I say that is because these last few weeks, I've been getting like a good five or six hours each night, which is a big, big no-no. Um, but I am trying to get at least seven or eight hours. But that's something also that the Lord showed me. Bianca, you are not getting enough sleep. And so I just set a schedule. Right now, my schedule is going to sleep at 10 p.m. and then waking up at 5. And that just personally works for me. It works for my schedule it works for you know just my body clock in general but getting more sleep as well can be so 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 helpful I used to wonder why I always had bad mood swings why I always had a bad attitude during the day and why I was always always tired by 2 p.m and the biggest reason that I could think of the only reason I could think of is because I was not getting enough sleep so Christian girlies out there get your sleep get your cute little sheets get your eye mask get your nice pjs the ones that you like and get yourself to sleep also because so many things happen in your sleep your body is repairing your body is recharging your body is getting ready for the next day and so literally stewarding toward that is so important especially as you get older and as you age I think that there are a lot of more things that God will show me as time goes by when it comes to living a healthier lifestyle, but so far it's just been working out consistently, eating the right foods and nourishing my body, uh, getting enough sleep, journaling about my feelings, getting my feelings out, and just doing a spiritual check every now and then and making sure that I'm good at my relationship with the Lord. I won't always be perfect and I won't always meet the mark. Most of the time I honestly miss the mark, but just making sure that I'm in a good place in my relationship with the Lord is so very important to me. It's always a priority to me. And so just checking in on myself spiritually is so, so good. And I love it. And it just helps me to stay on track with my goals in general. 
That is this juicy Christian girl chat. I loved these questions because these were answers that I'd given to, you know, girls one-on-one and I just felt like, man, I feel like someone needs to hear these answers and I want to bring them onto the podcast because I feel like this set someone free. These are truths that, you know, I wish I would have told my younger self. I wish I would have known. And so I'm so glad that I got to share that with you guys today. Thank you so much for listening and just for having these weekly girl chats. I absolutely love them and feel free to reach out at all for any questions any concerns anything like that because we are all in this together it is not an easy walk with the lord but that is why god calls us to be with community and to be with people who are going to lead each other right back to him thank you so much for listening and with that being said i will see y'all in the next episode 